All right, so last time we talked about uh, our vocation, right? Kind of the idea of what do we do in heaven, you know, and that can easily just get into silly discussions of, you know, what cloud you're sitting on and uh, those sort of all the fun things you think you might be doing. But what we really focused on is how if we want to know what it's going to be like then, uh, what, our, what we do, what our purpose is, we should think about, well, what is our purpose here and what are we meant to be doing here? And now sometimes the Christian story ignores a lot of that and thinks it's all about just getting to heaven and it's not so much, you know, what you do doesn't matter a whole lot. And that's scripture often, as we saw, points to this idea of us uh, ruling or reigning or having responsibility for creation and that we're meant to extend God's goodness and the love of God uh, around us, right? And the whole biblical story is about us, uh, how often we fall short of that, but God is in enabling us to fulfill that through uh, eventually through Christ and through the Holy Spirit. Uh, and that's actually going to come up some tonight as we look at the idea of judgment uh, of, of what we do. And again, does what we do matter or not? Um, and so tonight's judgment, the next two, maybe three weeks, we'll kind of see how it, how it shakes out. The next two or three weeks, we'll be talking about hell. Uh, so judgment's kind of leading towards that. Um, and so that should be an interesting discussion, looking at uh, some different possibilities of, of how we should understand hell and, and what the purpose of it is uh, and those, those sort of things. And then after that, we'll have, depending on whether we need two or three weeks for, for hell, uh, we'll have a couple more weeks where we'll just have time for questions. Right? There's things that I raise that you had maybe some time to think about uh, and you want to talk about more, you need clarification. Or if there's just other questions, right? We didn't cover everything, and it may be uh, maybe small things, maybe some bigger things. So hopefully, we've given enough foundation now that we're able to, you know, build off of that. So we're not just trying to answer all sorts of questions out of nowhere. Yeah, I know. At the well, beginning of one, class, we turned in some, but if you uh, continue to think of questions, uh, maybe write those down, uh, or be thinking about those for a few weeks. One, yeah, one quick question, I guess, you know, I kind of thought about this business of what our vocation would be and then what our vocation is uh, while we're in this life. And, and to me, I guess our, to me, uh, and I don't do a very good job of this, but our vocation in this earth to me should mean everything we do should be both to glorify God and to reach out to those around us with our faith and with the gospel. I mean, to me, that, that's our over, overarching uh, uh, goal in life, and whatever we do uh, uh, should, should at some point in time try to help us with that. Is that, am I? Am yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, as long as we have, I think we want to have how a do big we, picture of spreading yeah. God's glory, right? Yeah. It's not just that people know there's a God, but like, like I said, the goodness, the beauty, the truth, right? Yeah. What you're doing that's making more of that, uh, hopefully is pointing people towards God. And again, and our life should show that. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, that does mean, you know, telling people about our faith, but that also we're just, we're living it out and people see it in the way we live, that we have a different approach to the world because we uh, have a, a different story, right? So it's all, yeah, it is pointing towards that. And that's all meant to spread right? Good news is what the gospel means. And so the more goodness that we're creating in the world, hopefully he's pointing people in that direction. All right. So like I said, tonight, we're going to be focusing on the topic of judgment, right? Final judgment and kind of what goes into it and what it's based on, right? And we kind of see, you know, as we think about that, there's this fundamental tension that, 
you know, scripture is often dealing with and we try and uh, figure out as well. Of Well, on the one hand, it doesn't matter what I do, right? That's, that's not what judgment is about. On the other hand, all that matters is what I do, right? It's, it's kind of a classic discussion of grace and works and, and how do they fit together. And so just, you know, as, as you think about that here at the start, what are some of the different ideas out there about um, how much does what we do matter for the final judgment? What are some different stances that people might have, right or wrong? Well, for the longest time, there was a kind of a programmatic, even even the church, right, had a programmatic thing where, well, you're you're to the good as long as you've confessed to the priest and you've done your Hail Marys or whatever. And then mm-hmm. if you've sinned, well, now you're back in the negative. And so you're going to have yeah. to do something to make that up. And or, yeah. or, you, or you can, you know, give money to help build a new wing of the cathedral, and then that'll cover <laughs> sure. you for a little bit ahead of time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you see the church kind of using the, the good works to control people, almost, yeah. right? And to manage your sin, right? That debt that you have, uh, where you at on that? Yeah. What else? Were there other maybe extremes that people go to, or just different views that you've heard, you know, in your life through the church? And I guess grace, I guess grace is probably the most misunderstood. And, and I, we, I was uh, in another church where we actually had a gentleman who was pretty, pretty smart, uh, do a, le- a series of lessons on grace. And I guess the biggest thing I learned out of that, out of that was that I don't understand it. <laughs> yeah. And even after he got through going that and did a good job as he did, I still don't understand it. And, uh, mm-hmm. and so, and I- uh, you know that that, that um, uh, I just it's it's a complex thing to figure out how that works, mm-hmm. and at the same time, know that that we are responsible for what we do, right or wrong, mm-hmm. and there are going to be consequences. Grace yeah. may take care of it, but it doesn't take care of the consequences. Yeah, I think that's right. That's that tension, right? Because you can you can go too far either way and say, well, it's all grace, right? So. Right, that's what we're saved by. We'll look at some of those passages in just a minute. And so if you think too far in that direction, like, all right, so what I do doesn't matter, right? Because God already took care of it. And then we're back to this place of, well, my life doesn't really matter. I just need to get to heaven. And that's clearly what we've seen is, is not God's point. But then we go too far and like, well, yeah, there's grace, but you got to do this and this and this. And if you step out of line a little bit, you know, that grace may not be there for you. Um, Right, that you're meant to do most of the work, and grace will maybe fill up that that little bit that you don't finish. But it's, if you don't do most of the work, God's not going to give you that that top off. Right? I think that's a pretty short-sighted view of grace, and I, it's a gift, right? So there's almost, I think, kind of what you're pointing at is this idea that we can't nail down. Well, here's exactly how this unmerited gift of God works, right? It's it's a gift, and so in some sense, yeah, we have to just accept it as that. Um, so kind of one of the ways that I try and pull this together is think of it as a mystery, right? When, when scripture uses the term mystery, it isn't like a puzzle to solve. It's something that you can just always understand more and more, right? You can always grow in your knowledge of it, um, even if you don't fully understand all of it. So I think it's God in the end with, is going to do what's perfectly just and what's perfectly loving, right? That mercy, uh, God's mercy brings those together, right? It doesn't ignore justice, um, but... It doesn't, you know, completely ignore it. Uh, it's not all just about what's what seems right by our standards. 
Another idea that, uh, as we talk about judgment tonight, I think it's helpful to think about the difference, right? Looking at it in a legal sense between judgment and a sentence, right? The judge may say, you, you did this, or you're guilty of this. That's different from the sentence that the judge hands down. Now, typically those are gonna be connected and uh, we wanna see how connected or not they are in, in the biblical story. But right, to see that those are slightly different concepts. They're related, but they're not the same. Judgment and the sentence, right? So right, if you think about judgment, is about what you do in the sentence. If we're thinking just in terms of heaven and hell, right? they're probably connected, you would think, somehow, but they're not the exact same thing. All right, so let's, this is probably a discussion that many of us have had before, but let's talk a little bit about grace versus works or how they fit together, right? So look at some of these kind of classic verses. So one, uh, we don't need to necessarily look at it, uh, is Romans 8, chapter verse 1, where it says, for those who are in Christ, there is no condemnation, right? No condemnation for those who are in Christ. That's that grace language. And then Galatians 2, 16, let's, let's look at that verse together. It's a little longer. There's some things I want to break down. Uh, Galatians 2, 16 says, Yet we know that a person is justified or, or made righteous, not by the works of the law, but through the faith of Jesus Christ. And we have come to believe in Christ Jesus, so that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, and not by doing the works of the law, because no one will be justified by the works of the law. All right. Uh, so justify, that's being righteous. It's, these are judgment sort of terms. Uh, the idea is that God, the judge, is giving that verdict now, right? Instead of waiting for the end for judgment, we're declared righteous now. Um, and in fact, you can understand one way of looking at the cross is that Jesus experienced that judgment for us. And, you know, the way that I read that, uh, like in, uh, well, it's all the same verse, right? But a couple of times he talks about, yours might say the faith in Jesus Christ, uh, but it can also be the faith of Jesus or the faithfulness of Jesus. Um, more people, I think, more scholars are tending to think that that's actually what Paul meant, that second one, that uh, when it talks about it's the faith of Jesus, the fact that he was faithful, not that we put our faith in him as much, right? Because um, having faith is actually still an action on our part. We just moved it from something we do to something mental, right? So it's still about us. And obviously he does say we still believe in him or trust in him, that, that is part of it. But what Paul seems to be emphasizing is uh, Jesus was faithful, right? So that's what, that's what makes us righteous. Not that we uh, believe the right things, because then it's still about us. All right, then another uh, passage that talks about this being saved by grace is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 9. It's a little bit longer, um, but this is kind of a classic way that uh, some people more than others emphasize that, you know, it's faith alone, right? So Ephesians chapter two, starting in verse four, but God who is rich in mercy out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we are dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. By grace, you have been saved through faith. This is not your doing, it's the gift of God. And so we were dead in our sins, but through Christ, we're alive. And, you know, he talks about these things like we're already raised up and already in the heavenly places. This is an idea that, 
know, it's like the future is already happening in the present through, through Christ, right? Because he's already raised from the dead, which wasn't supposed to happen until the end. We can experience that, that future right now. Uh, kind of fancy term for this is inaugurated eschatology. I'll come up in a quote I'm going to read later, right? But eschatology, the end, it's already inaugurated. It's already started for us. So we can live out that new life right now. And you see the way that, that Paul describes God here, God is uh, merciful, God is loving, God is gracious, God is kind, right? All this, God has all these good qualities and that's what saves us, not because of us. And he's very clear that works don't save us, grace does, all right? It's a gift of God's, not your doing. Right? You don't save yourself by what you do. Right? It's, it's God's action. And but that does raise the question, right, that we don't always think about of, okay, well, we're saved. Saved from what? Right? Saved from judgment, saved from our sins right now. Um, that's what we'll see as we get into the next verse, right? So those two couple passages we looked at seem to emphasize just the, the it's all grace, that works don't matter. But there's other passages that make it clear that, well, yeah, what we do does still matter, including the very next verse, uh, Ephesians 2.10. For we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. And so here we're seeing, uh, and I think this connects with last week as well, that the problem of sin is not just that it, it keeps you out of heaven, it's that it keeps you from carrying out your vocation right here and right now, right? The good works that God has given each one of us to do, we're not able to do them when we're stuck in sin. And that's what God wants to free us for, right? We were created to do good, not just to go to heaven and be with God. Yes, we can have that hope, but there's good that God has prepared for each one of you to do right now. Uh, and salvation enables transformation. Right? That's the point of it. Right? That's why God rescues us or, or heals us. It's so that we can carry out what we're meant to be doing. Uh, and so it gives us a purpose here, right? So everything that he said in those first five verses I read are all aimed at this, right? Uh, it's all God's doing, but so that we can do what we need to do. And then also that gets picked up in the letter of James, chapter 2, right? James very famously talks about uh, the importance of works. And, you know, we don't have time to talk about, you know, how he relates to Paul and if he's responding to Paul somehow or, or something like that. Uh, but James, chapter 2, uh, starting in verse 12, actually, says, So speak and act as those who are to be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment will be without mercy to anyone who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but do not have works? Can faith save you? Brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm, and eat your fill. Yet you do not supply their bodily needs. What's the good of that? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. All right, so... First, we see there, we're talking about judgment and mercy. He says, mercy triumphs over judgment, right? Mercy is, is more important. And there is a sense, right, that if we're not merciful, uh, maybe we shouldn't expect a lot of mercy from God, right? You kind of, you reap what you sow. Uh, so we're encouraged to be merciful. And yet, uh, in the end, we see that mercy is uh, more fundamental, I think, to, to God's nature. Um, that has implications for how we live, and then also in the next few weeks that we understand what God's going to do in the end. Mercy triumphs over judgment. I think that's, that's a big idea. He also talks about the law of liberty. Uh, he also calls it the royal law, which is to love your neighbor as yourself, right? That's our, that's our standard. How much are we 
growing in love and showing love to others. Um, if we're not doing that, then you know, he's kind of he's he's got a good point, right? Well, yeah. What what does your faith mean if it doesn't lead you to do anything good, right? It, they're connected, right? He's well, James is not just saying it's all about what you do and those works will save you. But if you say you trust in God and believe in, in the way of Jesus and his way of self-sacrificial love, well, let me see that in your life, right? If I don't see it, then, you know, that's, that's how you know, right? So faith, right? There's more he says about that, right? Even demons believe there's a God, but they don't do what God wants, right? So it's not just about a belief in your head. It's how those beliefs affect your actions. If you really believe something, you're going to act on it. Right. So it doesn't matter what you say you believe if it, if it doesn't lead to anything in your life. So, right. your, your, so your deeds are not to earn salvation, but they're because of the salvation that you've received. Yeah, right. So, they're always related. And, and, yeah. And you talk about love your neighbors yourself. It goes back to, to the, the uh, uh, passages about forgiveness and how many times am I to forgive my brother? Uh, so it, 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 it ties together. And, yeah. Yeah, right. The whole idea of splitting them apart is very much a, you know, I don't think Paul or James would have really mm -hmm. that. That was just a later discussion that comes, I think, as Steve was mentioning, with some of the abuse <clears throat> of the church. Uh, but, right, if you really just think about it, of course they go together, right? And they can't be different things. All right. So, but still with judgment, that's that's kind of where we can get hung up sometimes. Of Okay, well, are we judged or not? And, does it matter what we do for how God's going to look us at look at us at the end, right? And so we see through through this the big story is that God does forgive, right? God forgives our sin through Christ. God doesn't hold it against us, um, but God still cares about the good that we do, right? That's why God saves us, is so that we can do those good things. And so you know, but again, some people might ask, okay, but does it really matter? If I work towards justice or peace or goodness on earth, right? As long as I say, you know, make the right commitment, get baptized, um, can I just wait until I get to heaven and, you know, God can finish me up there. So uh, I'm going to read a quote here from this book called Surprised by Hope, might be backwards, uh, by N.T. Wright. Uh, this, I highly recommend this book uh, where he talks a lot about resurrection and what it means for how we live and this idea of God restoring all things. Uh, he spends a lot of time on that. So uh, definitely a recommended book. But uh, here's what he says about this. You know, why should we try and work towards these good things and you know, try and make a difference on earth? He says, uh, what would you say to someone who said, rightly, that God would make them completely holy in the resurrection, that they would never reach this state of complete holiness until then? And who then went on to say, wrongly, that therefore there is no point in even trying to live a holy life until then. You would press for some form of inaugurated eschatology, right? The idea that what's happening then is, is matters for now. You would insist that the new life of the Spirit in obedience to the Lordship of Jesus Christ should produce radical transformation of behavior in the present life, anticipating the life to come, even though we know we shall never be complete and whole until then. Right? And he mentions that's kind of what's going on with Romans 6. Right? If someone said, like, why should I try and be holy now? Because when I get to heaven, God will just make me completely holy, right? I should just ignore that. Right? We would all disagree with that sort of thinking. And so it's the same idea that if, if we believe that God is going to make all things right and renew all things in the end, well, yeah, we can't do it all ourselves, but we should be working towards that, right? And so a phrase that he uses, and I know I've used before, is that 
we build for the kingdom, right? We don't build the kingdom ourselves. We don't just wait for Jesus to show up and build it all in the end. We build for it now, right? We're participating in that work. We're anticipating what's coming because we've already been given the first fruits. We already have the spirit as a deposit. We can already carry out some of this work. And so if we have work to do, uh, I think we can understand that we can be both saved and judged in a certain sense, right? That those two aren't mutually exclusive. In fact, we see passages where uh, they actually can fit together. So one of them we're going to look at is in Revelation chapter 20. Uh, as I've said before, it's always a little tricky going to Revelation because it's so symbolic and you know, there's, there's metaphors. And yet I fully believe there is, there is deep truth, important truth for us in this uh, interesting book. And so, you know, we're going to see some of these symbols, um, not to think about how literally they work, but to see what is the point that, that John is trying to get across as he's communicating this vision. So uh, Revelation chapter 20, I read 11 to 15. So this is right at the end. This seems to be the, the judgment scene. It says, then I saw a great white throne and the one who sat on it. The earth and the heaven fled from his presence and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And books were opened. And also another book was opened, the book of life. The dead were judged according to their works as recorded in the books. And the sea gave up the dead that were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And all were judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. All right, lake of fire, we're saving that for next time. Uh, but here, you, what I wanted to point out is that there's two sets of books. Right? He talks about there, the books that record all the things that people have done. And then there's also, separate and apart, the book of life. Right? And, and through Revelation, that's where the, the followers of the Lamb, their names are written in the book of life. Right? And so, and it's very clear here that everyone is judged, right? All stand before the throne, right? Whether they, they're in the sea, death, or Hades, right? They're all, uh, the dead are all coming here, and they're all judged, judged according to what they had done. But if you notice, um, you're thrown into the lake of fire, whether or not, that depends on whether your name is in the book of life, which is separate from what you did, right? So, um, we're going to be judged for what we do, but where you end up, the sentence comes from whether we're, our name is in the book of life. Not if you did this many good deeds and earned this many goodness points, uh, but whether we are followers of, of the Lamb. But the way, at least the way I understand that, even those who follow uh, the Lamb, uh, we're going to be judged, right? And, and we're going to kind of get a rundown of, of how we did, I think, maybe is the way to understand it. So uh, that's all I really wanted to say about that. But other questions about uh, that that passage there in Revelation? So, so you don't think that uh, that we'll sit down and every wrong thing that we've done will be brought up so that we can really appreciate just how great our salvation is? Yeah, I don't, and again, this is where it's like, I don't know exactly what the process is going to be, right? And I think along with this, when we talk about judgment, I don't want us to just think, God's going to list all, think about the bad stuff, right? It's going to be the good stuff, right? Uh, we could talk about the scene in Matthew 25, the sheep and the goats, and judgment there is saying, look at all these good things that you did, and let's look at the outcomes of that. And I think that's going to be one of the, yeah. judgment is not a bad thing, right? We, in fact, should look forward to it. I think that's one of the reasons why 
is here's a place where we're finally going to see here's what the good that I did, here's why that made a difference in this life. Because mm -hmm. sometimes we don't know the impact of what no. we do. Uh, and my hope is that in the end, we are gonna see the positive impact of that. And so that's something we can actually look forward to. But at the same time, there's probably some things we're gonna have to own up to, right? The things that, that we didn't want people to know about, um, the ways that we hurt people, even if we didn't mean to, right? So we're seeing that salvation doesn't mean that we just ignore all that stuff, but it isn't about, you know, it does not automatically send you to hell because of, of these things that you may have done. All right, uh, let's go now to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians 3. I think this is a really, another really helpful metaphor that Paul uses to think about what we do, what we're building, and whether or not it matters, because he says it does. All right, uh, 1 Corinthians 3, he's talking about there's division in the church, they're arguing about who's doing what. And he's trying to say, no, we're all, we're all building together, right? Me and Apollos and all these people, we're all servants of God. We're, we're building the same building, which is you all, the church. Uh, so I'm going to pick up in the middle of this in verse 8, 1 Corinthians 3. The one who plants and the one who waters have a common purpose, and each will receive wages according to each. For we are God's servants working together. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building on it. Each builder must choose with care how to build on it. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one that has been laid. That foundation is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, the work of each builder would become visible. For the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each has done. If what has been built on the foundation survives, the builder will receive a reward. If the work is burned up, the builder will suffer loss. The builder will be saved, but only as through fire. All right, so here the context is in the church, right? We're not talking about believers and non-believers. So very clearly, there's a sense of judgment for those who are, are in the church, right? And besides, there's the idea of wages in verse 8, that according to the, the kind of labor that you did, there'll be different wages what those are i don't know we can talk about that in a second um but how you built on the foundation right the foundation is jesus uh, his teachings his way of life is foundational for us what you did building off of that well there's different qualities of work right some of us are building with precious metals some of us what we're building on that is really just straw right it's not really that that good and so in the end this this fire that he talks about he says is going to reveal how we did, um, all right? The purpose here of the fire is to reveal, which is a common biblical theme. We saw that when we looked at Second Peter, it talks about that fire at the end. It's, it, it discloses things, it reveals. Uh, here it's the exact same idea. It's not about that fire punishing, it's revealing what's really going on. And so that fire, fire of judgment tests what you build, not the builders themselves, right? He's very clear that, um, the builders are not burned up. If you didn't do a good job, he's not saying they're going to be burnt up because they were bad builders. But what they built in life might be lost, right? They're still saved, but they didn't really have much to show for their life. Uh, and now, again, looking towards the next week, how does this idea of fire here relate to the idea of hell? And um, I, think, I think there is some connection there, uh, but we'll come back to that in the coming weeks. 
so, right, judgment is about what good did you do with the grace that was given? It's very much the idea in the parable of, of the talents, right? That we're all given grace from God. We're given uh, love and peace and all these gifts from the Spirit. What did you do with them? Right? God cares about that. And uh, we're going to have to realize that in the end. And so that's, that's why it matters what you do, right? But again, point is, it's not about whether or not you're saved based on how much you did, but whether or not what you did is, is going to endure into the age to come. All right, any questions about that in 1 Corinthians 3? All right, well, let's, uh, we'll keep going since we're getting closer to time. Uh, I've got a few more things to, to look at. I think maybe to use a move from like the judgment uh, judicial sphere, think about like tests, right, and, and grading. Uh, that we're not just on a pass-fail kind of thing. Right? That tends to be how we, we think about it. It's either you pass and you get to heaven or you fail and you go to hell. Um, it seems like it's more accurate to say there's, there's actually a, a grading scale, right? Um, and so it does matter what we do, right? And then that, but that leads into the question of, okay, well, why does it matter if I get an A or if I get a C, right? Are there different rewards for if I get a good grade <laughs> with what I do? Um, and you can see some ideas that, that seem to point towards that a little bit um, in a, you know, uh, some sort of way, maybe not totally clear, right? Jesus in Matthew 6 talks about storing up treasures in heaven, right? And that you could take that to mean that you can have different amounts of treasure, right? How much you store up or build uh, is so it would be different what you experience there. Uh, I listed several passages uh, on the handout there, 2 Timothy 4.8, James 1.12, 1 Peter 5-4, uh, Revelation 2.10, they all talk about this idea of the crown that we'll receive, right? Uh, crown of life. And the crown implies both a reward, right? You did a good job, so you get this. Or it's, it's about rule, right? Going back to our vocation that we receive that crown. In fact, Greek had two different words for two different types of crowns. There was the one that like a ruler would wear, but there's also one that you could win, uh, like in the Olympic Games. And I think those passages use both those words at different points. And so we can, right, so there's that sense of, of reward, right, a reward that lasts rather than a temporary one. Um, but that can, I think we can go too far in that direction and start to think like, well, I'm going to get a bigger mansion when I'm in heaven, right, which is sometimes how it's talked about, right, more jewels in my crown. And that I get to lord it over other people. Look how great I was in this life, and you weren't much of a Christian, right? To me, it's just something about that strikes me as not very godly or Christ-like, uh, but lording it over other people. And so I want to look at one other place where Paul talks about this crown idea is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Doing a lot of uh, flipping back and forth tonight. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, 19 and 20, where he says, um, for what is our hope or joy or our crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? Yes, you are our glory and our joy. Right? Our crown is about those that we have impacted for Christ, where we have uh, shown people love, where we have uh, increased people's joy, where we have brought that glory of God to people around us. I don't think he's saying that you get a bigger crown depending on how many people you converted personally. It's that the acts of love, right? Those relationships themselves are the reward, 
And like I said, some of those things, we won't see the full benefits or the, the outcomes of those kind words that we said to that person or that little act of service that we did for them. We don't see that all in this life, but there we will. Right? And that's where we're going to, that's what that crown is, is to see all the good that we did, uh, maybe ways that we never would have expected. Uh, and so our crown is, is other, other people, right? That's our blessing. That's our hope. So we you know that you use that word blessing, I, you know, and I've told people this before I've, I've, you know, maybe done something, something for somebody and they want to try to pay you back or something like that. I said, don't steal my blessing. Don't steal my blessing. And, and so uh, to me, that's really, when you use that word blessing, that to me is exactly what, uh, to me, that's what this is all about. Uh, and, 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 and the, the beautiful feeling that we feel when we do what we're supposed to do. And, um, you know, so don't take away the blessing. And um, yeah, right. Cause that's when we're in tune with the, the spirit of God. Right. And it is its own reward. Right. Again, to, to talk about rewards, you know, if you're only doing these things so that you can get some reward later on in life, you're really not that transformed of a person, right? You're still actually kind of selfish. And right again, we can have a discussion about is there altruism or not and all that, that sort of thing. Um, but my point is just like if the only reason you're a Christian is because you think you're going to get something out of it after you die, that doesn't seem that in tune with, with the way that Jesus lived and calls us to live. Uh, yes, we can hope for uh, a blessing in the end and blessings now, maybe. Uh, but we do it because that's what God wants us to do, because we believe that's going to make the world uh, a better place, a more heavenly place. And, and so regardless of what you get out of it, uh, it's still a good thing to do. That should be our focus. And so, right, as we think about these levels, right, of, of how much we did what God wanted or not, me why this matters is it's just about how you know if you're a christian but you're not very loving you're still pretty selfish and and judgmental right you maybe have met some christians like that unfortunately you're not going to feel very comfortable in in the next life right in the age to come you're not going to fit in very well if it's a realm of love and peace and um, mercy right if those qualities aren't already growing in you um, you're maybe, I think it's fair to say you might still have some work to do, right? It's not that we get there and we're just instantly, uh, suddenly changed into this totally different person, but the, now we're able to grow and, and do what we're meant to do more. And so doing good here, it's an, I, I think of it as giving us a head start, right? That we're already making ourselves ready for heaven, right? And this is the idea, if you're, if you're reading Great Divorce, I love the way that uh, C.S. Lewis kind of gets into this so that you can go deeper in and you just feel more at home there. Right? Of course, we're all welcome there and God wants us there, but how welcome are you gonna feel if that's not your way of life, right? You can't bring your selfishness into heaven with you. And so that's, that's gotta go somehow or another. So we're better off doing what we can to get rid of it here. Again, we can't get perfect now, and we can, our hope is that God is gonna perfect things in the end, but we wanna work towards that as much as we can right now. And, you know, as you think about what endures, I think for us, the main thing we focus on is love, right? The famous 1 Corinthians 13 passage. I think he is very much thinking about the end, right? He says, uh, the greatest are faith, hope, and love, but love is the one that endures, right? We won't need hope when we're in heaven. We won't need faith anymore because we'll see it all. 
we'll still have love and we'll still need love, right? And so love is what bridges this life and the next life. You know, our love right now is very incomplete and imperfect, and yet it is still love and it's still a sign uh, of, of what we hope for. And so the more that we can grow in that love now, uh, the more we're gonna be uh, ready for, for that place that is uh, fully love. Right, again, is, uh, I'll just close with another quote from N.T. Wright, who says, love is not our duty, it's our destiny. We were created in love, we were created for love. God is not gonna give up on us because God is love and God is not gonna give up on us achieving that destiny of love. Right? And so why not start now? Right? If that's what we're hoping for in the end, let's do what we can to live in love right here and right now. And in the end, that's when we'll fully see the fruits of what we've done. So thanks everyone. Uh, hope you're looking forward to next week with some interesting discussions of uh, the bad place. <laughs> uh, uh, thank you all for being here tonight. I'll talk to you next time.